An all-new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Uh, featured on the Peacemaker official playlist from HBO Max original series Peacemaker featuring John Cena. They're all over the soundtrack and we'll talk all about that. Welcome back to the show <laughs> for the first time, Bill Leverty. There he is, everybody. Let's yeah. talk Peacemaker real quick. I mean, yeah. what does that do for the band in, in order you know, to be on the soundtrack where everybody's going, <gasps> Wigwam, Tiger Tails, Firehouse. Well, it's been wonderful. I mean, and it's for the whole genre. I mean, I think it's really exposed a lot of people that weren't aware of our music uh, to be exposed to the whole genre. So um, it, it's great. I mean, you know, whoever the music director is that that picked our song, I can't thank him enough. Um, <laughs> and, and and like you said, um, the, the placement that we got is so good. And truth be told, I don't have HBO. Um, and I don't watch a, a lot of TV, but mm-hmm. some people have sent me the clips of it. And John did an awesome job um, of, of really making us look a whole lot cooler than we really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that scene of him crying in bed listening to, I mean, like, uh, it's, just, it's just so awesome and so funny but just like so relatable at the same time because it's like if you were like a kid in the 90s or you know when that record came out what 1990 it's like if you're laying in bed some girl just broke your heart and it's like yeah that's just like the scene (laughs) well uh, you know people have sent me that clip and um i'm amazed at um how many people were uh, familiar with it and i think it's spreading a lot because a lot of people who may maybe weren't um you know subscribed to hbo max or whatever um are now subscribing to it because of the love of the music totally so uh, you know it's wonderful that this this is coming back around well let me ask you about this because we were in watertown new york a long time ago you and i and you did this show there and somebody got up and got married to the song or proposed to the song on stage. I don't know if you remember that. Wow. Was it Love of a Lifetime? It was Love of a Lifetime. Okay, yeah. And there is just something about that song that has endured. Talk talk to me about how special that song is and why do you think it it affects people to the point where they want to get married on stage (laughs) while you play in the background? It's wild. I mean, there's a lot of love in that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, it, we're so grateful that that song came out when it did at a time when there was some MTV exposure. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, it got a lot. And um, it just had that emotional connection with people where they felt the love in the song. And, um, and it's perpetuated. I mean, back then in 1991 is when, when the song was released, the album came out in the end of 1990, but the song was released in 91. Right. And I had never heard of bridal magazine before, but it was the number one song, <laughs> the number one wedding song in bridal magazine, which is nice. a deal for, you know, people who are getting married. So people <laughs> picked it then and, and they still pick it today. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful thing to have a song that means so much to so many people. Yeah, you know what? yeah, I'm gonna go find 
the love of a lifetime ad in one of the billboards or something and i'm gonna make a post number one song in bridal mag i'm gonna try to do that for this afternoon yeah yeah okay thank you well thanks well, this... cool. yeah, you find a lot of the cool stuff mitch i mean i i you know oh, i spend hours yeah because he has no life belt he, he sits there on his chair going through all billboards like oh yes there's firehouse okay yep twitter I'm, I'm a, well i'm i'm basically your musicologist i think yeah, well, I'm basically yeah. retired these days, so hey, you know what the hell. By the way, we so I was I was gonna say the song that's in in Peacemakers actually "Don't Treat Me Bad." That's the one that's on right. the soundtrack. So he's in he's in bad, you know. Don't treat me bad, the whole thing. Right. It's, it's true, just, but I wanted to get to love of a lifetime because well, that's just uh, that's the one. I wanted to talk about the the Watertown story. Um, just real quick, we we are celebrating. That's the word. The 19th anniversary of your last album with original music. Mm. Right. Wow, that that's uh, that's a big number. Two thousand three. It's been that long. Yeah. Now they did an album in two thousand ten or eleven, which was a remake of some of the older ones. But the the, the last original music was two thousand three. Does hearing that annoy you? I mean, is it is it time to maybe do a single and put it out on iTunes uh, I, or Spotify or? I say yes. I think so. And mm. um, you know, we were so busy live and had the. The, the lockdown not been the way it was rolled out, we probably would have had a, a, at least a song done by now, but we, mm. you know, we need a little time to get to everybody together and we're on the road for so long. And then when we go, okay, we're going to be locked down for April, but we've got May. So we're going to, you know, spend some time with the family, you know, yeah. and we're ready to go out in May and then May, well, the end of April shows up and then May drops out, but we got June, we got our summer still there. And yeah. then we get right to the end of May and then June drops out, then July. And then all, and it just right as you get up to right when you're about to go out go. and play, you've rehearsed to go out and play and everything, then uh, the, that month would drop out. So I think a lot of bands, you know, suffered that we've still got this coming month, but then it disappears from them or it's pulled out from right. their feet. Um, so I, I think had we known that it was going to be like that, we would have definitely had something done. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. We should have had some songs written and, and done by now, but we've, you know, yeah. we've been right. focusing on the live playing. And then when we're at home, we're doing our family thing and our, our other side things and, and life kind of gets in the way and, and stuff. And that's just the way it's been. Well, I'm sure as a musician, you've always got some stuff, you know, happening on the fretboard, come up with some cool licks or some riffs. Or, I mean, you're sitting there in the studio. You must have some stuff demoed. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I got, now, of course, Bill does a lot of solo records, too. Right. I got that one. Nice. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but uh, you know, I'm always messing, fiddling around with the guitar. I can't, you know, I think I was, you know, I'm, I'm hooked up to it most of the, most of the day. So yeah. um, but that keeps me from sucking as bad. <laughs> you know? Right. The truth is, is that if I don't practice all the time, I just suck worse. So if I practice enough, I can keep myself to a certain level of, of not sucking so bad. And, and you know, we all know that the competition out there is pretty fierce. And when you when you see the great guitar players out there who can play incredible stuff flawlessly, it puts the pressure on, on you know, guys like me where I need to practice a lot. So I do. What's your Let practice regimen you. like? Are you practice like? Do you sit down for twenty minutes a day and you have to play or? Oh, I, I practice for th at least three hours a day. Wow! Yeah, and I usually do it after dinner. You know, I get a glass of glass of wine, and I come down here and I I practice for three hours. And that's when you know everybody else is watching TV. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why I kind of miss out on some of the pop culture. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's working for a living. It's the way I look at it. It's, it's bench time. I got to sit here and I got to work. Yeah. What What is the uh, practice like? Is it like running scales? Are you playing riffs? Like what's like what's the regimen? What I like to do is whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. it's what I enjoy and I really enjoy this guitar. It's a CR also guitar um, that that they made for me. Nice. And um, I really yeah. love playing through the fractal audio uh fm3 is what i'm going through now i've got an axe effects 3 over there and it sounds like i'm playing in in an arena you know and um so then so i can play here at a low volume i'm not you know keeping anybody awake if i want to go till 3 a.m right and i'm not um you know waking up the neighbors or anything and um, so, you know, a lot of times I'll come up with an idea and then I'll, I'll program some drums to go along with it. And then I'll try to you know, go back and listen to some of the other things that I've laid down and see if there's anything that fits with that. Or mm. So I just kind of do whatever I want to do. Sometimes it's productive. Sometimes it's not. Mm. Um, it, at least if it's not productive where I'm making new music, at least at the very least, keeping my fingers working. And that's that's you know what i gotta do it's half so. the battle he's, he's doing that cat scratch fever he's doing those yeah, covers. Damn, yeah. Damn, 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 i love that damn, one damn. i mean you can't you can't one of the best riffs ever written right there <laughs> yeah it's a fantastic riff i mean you can say whatever you want about ted but you can't deny that he's got great riffs you can't oh. take the music away from him can't take that music away he's so good yeah oh, he's he's the man for sure man um, let me ask you this. You, you recently had Andrew Freeman come in and sing a couple of songs. I know that you can sing because you sang Deuce on the on the Kiss tribute I did. Was there a conversation of, hey, why don't we just get Bill to sing these for, for, for the last two or three shows? Oh, no way, because, I mean, CJ's um, too high. phenomenal singer and, and it's way out of my range. I could maybe sing half a song and then my voice would, would crap out. And yeah. Andrew came and did a phenomenal job, and we're so he grateful. Just, just an awesome singer, and um, we're so glad to have CJ back. And, and CJ's doing great. And we're we're playing yeah. actually this weekend up in Manoman, uh, Minnesota. So, uh, nice. Shooting Star Casino. So that's it's a great room, eighteen hundred people. Hello, wow. Shooting Star Casino. <laughs> How you doing with Firehouse? <laughs> was that well, Jeremy? We have to get you. <laughs> yeah, you I'll know. do it. Hey, hey Jeremy can sing. I'll, I'll send you some videos. Talking about uh, come out and hang out with us. Just hang out. Yeah, all I do. You, dude, Bill. Did you ever see the video of Mitch doing soundcheck with foreigners' uh, texts? They did lick it (laughs) up by Kiss, and it's the most awful video. I, uh, (laughs) it's so bad. But part of it was that they were playing a trick on me because they didn't put any kind of sound. So I couldn't hear myself. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a dry stage. Everybody was on in ears, and, and there was no wedges. <laughs> wow. Well, that's that's um. That was rough. I was like, uh, by the fire there because there's so many times where we get up there, and it's usually nobody's fault, but our monitors aren't right. It's because there right. was a 15 minute set change, and we're the second band on or whatever. And um, if you want to play, you get up and go. And and we yeah. well, all right. Here we go. And nobody can hear anything that they're doing, but we <laughs> just get up and do it anyway. And um, oh, it's so frustrating. Just hope that we're singing in tune. It, it's 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 a tough thing. But monitors but, um, have come a long way since the '80s. I mean, those big wedges and the amps. I mean, you've got a full PA system in your ears now if you're using like JH Audio or. Uh... You're right, and if it's all hooked up properly, mm-hmm. and it usually is for the headliner. 
but sometimes right. the opening act. Oh, we should, we plugged channel one into channel thirteen and channel fourteen into seven. Is that? Oh, we'll get on up there and go anyway. And, oh, and what we're hearing is is not right. What what's out front is, but you we can't pitch and we can't get time off of what's coming out front because that's usually like a long time later it bounces back to us yeah so you know without monitors so i feel for you mitch i know what you went through there but hey, dude it was it was so bad uh, just before we move out uh, from, from andrew just what was that moment like being on stage and not having cj there because at some point you got to go oh that song doesn't sound right or oh oh that's interesting maybe we should tell cj to try it like it's, it's got to be there's got to be something going on it's not just nothing yeah. Well, well, Andrew Freeman, being the guy who sings the Ronnie James Dio songs and all those Last in Line songs, which I, I think their original music is awesome. I think everybody yep. should go check out Last in Line. It's a great band. I saw them live, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago when they came through here. Um, he's He had his take on the songs. And I, when I was talking to him beforehand, I said, man, you know, please sing them your way. No, DJ doesn't want you to sing them his way. If, if just whatever you feel, sing what you feel, because I want you to have a good time with this gig, you know? Right. And um, being up there and having him up there, it was very different, but it was very good. I mean, he did a wonderful job. Um, and a lot of that was last minute. So it was thrown at him yeah. at the last minute. <laughs> so for him to come up there and be able to, I mean, we did a couple of arena shows and he got out there and acted like like he'd been singing him for you know 30 years so i i have nothing but great things to say about him i mean i saw the videos and i went wow yeah that's pretty good i go cj better be careful there's no (laughs) there's no um place like home and cj is home for for our lead singer you know but um when he was out um you know he said, man, you guys, you, you, we need, you need to go out there and, and be able to pay your bills and here's some opportunities. So let's do it. And Andrew filled those shoes so well in an impossible situation. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, imagine the nerve, the nerves that, uh, that that guy has to be able to do that. I mean, because yeah. he's going to be judged from, from note one. But I think he really did fantastic. Yeah, and he's going to be judged by shitty YouTube videos. Exactly. Go, oh, I saw you on YouTube. Yeah, the house guy mix it, doing sound at the Brass Monkey isn't going to do him justice. I mean, you know. It's like... <laughs> by the way, we love the Brass Monkeys. Right? Yes, yes. Shout out to Scotty. Um, yeah. Shout out to Scotty. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Right. Well, I want to get back to. Go talk. Yeah, I want to go back talk about Don't Treat Me Bad. I mean, that's a song that's featured in the uh, Peacemaker soundtrack. Peacemaker. Do you have any memories of recording that song in the studio at the time? I do. I have some frightening memories. Um, uh, you know, we had, that was the fourth time we'd recorded that song and everything had gone well. Uh, when it came time to record it for the real record, I was having a hard time with the intro, um, the acoustic intro. Excuse me. The um, Yeah. I didn't play my acoustic guitar, which was a little bit of a, a, a strike against me, so to speak, because I wasn't used to the Gibson that they handed me. They handed me this beautiful Gibson LGO was the engineer, Doug Oberkirker's guitar. And um, and it didn't feel exactly like what like I was used to, but I was like, okay, it sounds great. So we'll get through this. Well, the, the session was, you know, me playing to a click track and I couldn't have the click track very loud in my ears. And I just wasn't nailing it time-wise. And, and I, wow. you know, the producer, David Prater was honest with me. He's like, man, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't really lock in in time. You know, you need to come back tomorrow and let's do it. And I said, okay. Mm. So speaking of nerves, I got really nervous because this was 
you know, my opportunity to, to play or not play on a record. And I was freaking out, went in the second time and I didn't nail it again. And so um, he's like, look, wow. I'm going to give you one more chance tomorrow. But if you don't do it, I got to get this done. And I'm going to have to get figure out who's going to do it. I'm calling, just played, just calling up Dan so Huff. Dan Huff's going to be in the studio tomorrow. So I was going to say we were in upstate New York and uh, Al Miola. We had just played with Al Miola. Oh, wow. And he'd come in the studio and listen to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool, man. So David already had this relationship with Al Miola. And all I was thinking was, you know, one of my guitar heroes, you know, is going to be probably playing this if I don't get it together. But I went in the third time and I got it. Right. And, um, to, to be fair, I mean, at least it's one of your guitar heroes taking your spot, if anything. Oh, I know. And, yeah. and, and, but but uh, the, the, the the rhythm is and the way I was playing it was and it gave me a lesson in humility and in rhythm, you got to really lock in like the hi-hat. And um, so, you know, I'm still working on that. I mean, that's why right. that's why I'm practicing now is I practice my rhythm as much as I do my lead. Wow. Playing in time. It's hard to play in time. It's amazing how just like such minuscule little things really do add to the groove and the vibe of the record. I mean, if you don't get that chugga-chugga right, it's, it's not going to have the same feel. If it sounds like you're struggling, it doesn't it's not ready yet to be on the record and uh, it's mm. got to sound like you're relaxed and, and it's effortless. And that's, it, it wasn't sounding that way. And, and David Prater was right. And I was, you know, the, the speakers don't lie. Yeah. So that's totally. the way it was. And then we don't have it. We didn't have a lot of time to record it either. We were in bear track studio. It was however much, you know, per hour. And, um, you know, he didn't have more than he gave me three chances. So that was the only one. That was the only one that I had trouble with, fortunately. But, um, yeah, you you asked. So that's the honest truth. I, I struggled with that one. Well, you know what? It's cool to hear that because it's like, you know, when you hear the final record, everybody thinks all oh, these rock stars, eh, they just went in, cut the track, went back to the bar. But meanwhile, you're sitting there struggling to even hear the click in your ears. People don't understand, you know, what goes into the performance and capturing that. You're right. I couldn't turn the click up any louder because it would bleed into the mics. He had that those mics really hot. And also, after you play it once, you have to play it again the exact same way. That's three guitars yeah. that you hear on dun chicka chicka dun chicka chicka dun chicka. That's really? three of them. So I had to triple track it and and they the the first one had to be right in order for the second two. You can't if the first one isn't right, second two if they're right, the third one, I mean the original one's going to make it still sound wonky. So Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Here's yeah. a real geeky question. Where was the click track coming from? A Lindrum or? That's a good question. I, it, it was probably geeky. a Lin. They probably had a Lin in there or some Yamaha RX, you know, drum machine or something. Some but it was a shaker. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so it was just, it was just a shaker. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and it was also back in the days before Pro Tools where it was a tape. So the tape go, okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. It would start and then it would go and then i go and then if i didn't really nail it they go okay wow. let's rewind it okay you ready yeah i'm ready because i messed up the first time okay let's go and then no you didn't get it oh now i'm even more nervous because i didn't get it right all right here we go go and then you know oh. so i crumbled a few times but i finally got don't you miss the days uh, of tape bill uh, <laughs> this sounded good but uh, yeah, now there's tape emulation in Pro Tools, so I'm, yeah, throw I use on. that one a lot. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask you um, a a sort of imaginary question in a sense. 
If you were to record new music with Firehouse, what would be your preference? To go back to the first album or the second album and try to recreate the sound and the mood in the 1990s? Or do you say, F it, we're 2027. <laughs> Let's yeah. go ahead and make a 2027 track. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I would want to do both. I mean, I okay. think you can do both. I want the big drum sounds and I want the big guitars and I want a huge low end bass sound and I want layers and layers of vocals and harmonies. And I want, you know, that, that beautiful CJ snare lead voice out front yeah. with his, it's like butter the way he sings. It's so effortless. And then he's got all the power and all the emotion in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, have a great hook to a song that where, where people would come out and go, wow, have you heard that new firehouse song? Right. I think that's one of the, the difficult things that keeps us from, from doing is we haven't had that hook in that chorus where we go, that's that's our next single and we want mm -hmm. the next single to be something that makes people go wow that's even better than anything they've ever done yeah it's hard i think that's what we struggle with psychologically you know to be well honest. it's hard i mean between don't treat me bad and love of a lifetime which we talked about has an impact on people where they want to get married i mean how do you write something that'll have that i mean you it's you sort of can't yeah it, it's yeah it's, i, I usually i write what comes out and, and lately it's been, you know, the solo tunes that I've been doing. Right. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. and if I can sing them, then I sing them. And and that's the way I, it's been. So I'm, I don't really try to think too heavily into what it's going to be. I just try to play something cool comes out. I lay it down. Then I come back and I listen to it and I go, yeah, I've got an idea for that. I try to think of lyrical ideas and I write them down in a little book, my hook yeah. book, and, and then go back to that. And if I've got something that's cool, you know, then I try to try to make a song out of it. That's, that's all I do. I don't really have any kind of formulaic way of doing it other than yeah. trying to let it come out naturally. Well, the cool thing about Firehouse is that you guys have always had incredible production. I mean, even the first time I interviewed you is when you guys did a bunch of re-records of some of those classic songs. And I mean, right. even Full the circle, yeah, even the production on those, I mean, they sounded if not better than the originals. I mean, you still had the cannonball snare and the big backing vocals. I just always love that sound. I mean, you listen to a song like All She Wrote and it's got one of the greatest interludes like of life. I mean, or like that like post solo like bridge section with the brown with the riff and if, if, if I, I think you're talking about this one. Oh. Something yep. like that. Yeah. And Mitch, well, that, by the way, that drum fill on that like section, by the way, that da 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 it's so good. Is that not the perfect Michael Foster fill? I mean, you know, it just shows his creativity and how he lifted that song. Uh, and he he's got them all over the every recording we've ever done, and 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 he's recorded on most of my solo stuff too because yeah. you know, he's just a really creative drummer yeah. and he's got a lot of power and a lot of lot of groove man on that harmonized uh, Mitch just Go one ahead. last question quick question right. on the on the final part of the stretch of the solo there there's like a really nice harmonized guitar part now was that like tracked or was that through a harmonizer so I tracked it it was three tracks um but live I step on my fractal harmonizer and it mm. sounds pretty convincing but uh, yeah I, I tracked them wow. uh, okay. you know, on, the, on the first record and on the re-record Wow. Well. Yeah. Cause the, the, even your performance is so locked in and every single note is like, what was it like trying to arrange that in the studio? Was it a lot of trial and error or? 
Mm, I think uh, yeah, it was a lot of error. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that mainly, uh, you know, I came up with the melody for it and then trying to figure out harmonies that would work with it and, and not go linearly like like this, mm-hmm. where, you know, this would go up this way. These two would go. Then this would be here and then that harmony would be here. So a lot of the, the if you listen to the harmonies by themselves, you go like, well, that that doesn't sound right. But together mm-hmm. with that melody, it supported it and made made it sound good so it was it was a lot of um a lot of error and a little bit of trial <laughs> right yeah that's just one of those songs that you just had that i don't know what it is about that section specifically the the solo and then the post solo with just the guitar and the hi-hat like you just have to crank that up they, they don't make rock music like that anymore well thanks man i mean that that song started off with with that riff and then cj it was it was it was god i believe cj had this idea for the song right away and uh, he sang it to some like, wow, that's so cool. And um, and it just the song was written in probably, I don't know, you know, the, the riff was was. I gave him a, a tape of a bunch of riffs and that mm-hmm. one stood out to him. And he said, oh, I got something for this one. And now we're like, wow. And it, it, it was done in 15 and, minutes. Or whatever. And he just like went like, bye, bye, baby. Like he sang it and it yeah. was done. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 well, he, he that chorus he had and we, we wrote the verses together. I mean, the. The verse is kind of like a simplistic version of the of the chorus. I mean, you just take mm-hmm. away some elements and don't move around the chords as much. And then the B section or the pre-chorus is just it goes to the sixth chord, and then six seven one is is kind of the progression. And then and then the song was done. And then all she wrote at the very end is still the same chorus riff going on. We didn't know that that would fit. All she wrote, all she wrote. It was um, mm-hmm. we we were looking at each other like it works. <laughs> you know? It was just a surprise. And, and so it's one of those things where it just all the pieces just lock in yeah. like that. And, all right, uh, you two, go ahead and perform it. I'll sit back and watch. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Jeremy, you go ahead and sit. Go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead and sing. So the uh, the backing vocals on that record, by the way, I mean, you take a song like the intro of uh, All She Wrote. I mean, how many stacks of backing vocals did you guys have to do for that? I don't remember um, in the in the original recording. In the re-record, which we recorded here, um, I got i think we got like uh maybe 16 uh tracks you know on each side or or total it's a three-part thing and there's a little bit of a a low that happens in there every now and then but every part has to be at least doubled and Mm -hmm. i was like well while we're in there and we're nailing it let's get a couple more just to thicken it out even more yeah so you know so it's like six 12 to 16 i'd say is what it was And, and back there when you're doing um the tape days Often we would record a bunch of background vocals, fly them off onto a two track, mix them, and then fly them back on. So you turn 12 or 16 tracks down to two, to a stereo pair, and that would uh, save you on the the tracks and open up all a bunch of tracks on the machine. So you could... I love asking about the backing vocals for the 80s because, you know, one time we we interviewed Brian Adams and he was telling a story about he and Mutt Lang recording backing vocals for a song. And they did 24 tracks of just going, oh, oh, oh. And they <laughs> went back and they listened and Brian was like, wow, that sounds really good. And Mutt was like, oh, well, that's just the left channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we were like, yeah, wow. Masters. Yeah, that's okay. amazing. That, that guy. Um, just real quick, talking about studio stuff, because you and Michael, you know, you're really good at what you do, but you don't seem to really do a lot of the sort of Steve Lukather stuff where you appear on a whole kind bunch of albums. The session stuff. 
the session stuff has that never been offered to you are you just not interested you know are you scoring stuff and we just don't know about it I'm very interested. Um, it, my, right. I've got an unlisted number. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I do a few and um, I love doing them. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, maybe they're just not coming in from, um, you know, like, like the people that are calling Steve Luke there. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. if you can call yeah. Steve Luke there, you can call Bill Everett. Who are you going to call? Yeah. I'd call Steve. <laughs> You know, do you think there's yeah, a bit of a yeah. uh, talking about that? Though, I mean, do you think there's a bit of a stigma around like the whole 80s guitar player scene? Like they're just sort of one trick ponies that could just play these melodic guitar parts and that's it. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I don't know. I always thought that 80s guitar players were the some best. Of the best guitar players that, that ever came out. I mean, as far as really yeah. doing challenging lead work, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of the what's behind those leads are great rhythms i mean i can name a bunch of guitar players out there that influenced me and their rhythm playing was just so good and then when their lead playing came on it's like oh my goodness you know so it's yeah it all started with eddie van halen i mean well ted nugent before that for me leonard skinner ted nugent michael eddie shanker don't forget michael shanker michael shanker was a huge one for me i mean and and, and jeff beck and steve morse mm -hmm. you know but um you know, the rhythm playing behind those solos, if you listen to, or, or just the rhythm playing in the choruses is, is right. really cool. So that's that's kind of where the song foundation lies, is in the rhythm. Yeah. No, totally. Huh? Well, look. The uh, rhythm of love, as the Scorpions would <laughs> the say. Rhythm that's of a great yeah. song, isn't it? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, hey, listen, that the, the, the shank, or, actually, love. The stuff that the Scorpions have done with both Matthias and Michael and Uli, they, they, that that combination is to me is just perfect. Me too. Yeah. Me you know. Too. And and the other day when Judas Priest was like, "We're going to be a four piece," this is like, no. What? What? <laughs> I didn't hear about that. Oh, uh, they announced about about a month ago. They said we're going to go out as a four piece. We're getting rid of Andy. We're, we're, we're that's it. We're going to. And the fans revolted all over Twitter and Facebook. They went, no, you're not. <laughs> and about two weeks later, the Judas Priest went, all right, all right, all right. We'll keep Andy. What the hell? Yeah. And and can you imagine if the Scorpions came out and said, listen, it's just going to be Rudolph and Klaus. We're forget forget Matthias. We've had enough. It'd be like, no, you don't. Don't do. No, no, no. No. <laughs> so many songs, like the Scorpion song, so many of their, their, their rhythms have one guitar in, in one ear, one yes. guitar in the other, and they're doing different things that make yes. that rhythm work. Um, well, same thing with so, Def Leppard, those orchestrated guitar parts right. just wouldn't be the same without, it, no. It, it's, that's the part of their their music. And, and you know, that's what makes them special. You know, right. that's what makes Scorpion Scorpions is, is to me, it, you know, the whole, the whole ball of wax, but uh, those two guitars are so yeah. important. Yeah. It was they, just weird when Priest said they're going to be one guy. It's like, yeah, you can't do it. You're a twin attack band. It even looks weird on stage. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then again, with Pro Tools, eh, you could technically have Michael Schenker up there with them every night. <laughs> or uh, or in their case, a Tipton. <laughs> oh, yeah, or Tipton. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like Scorpions, yeah. Yeah, put in Tipton. Put KK and Tipton and just have Pro Tools running the whole time. Save money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be cheating the kids. <laughs> That's okay. That's true. It's all for the kids. Come on. <laughs> We'll, we'll do that the next time CJ uh, has to, to to skip a couple of dates. We'll just there play you the go. vocals. You'll say you'll split the money three ways instead of four. 
It's better. And we're always we're nervous about, you know, flights because all our dates are, are, are fly dates, as you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're always nervous that, oh, my goodness, you know, we're we're cutting it close on this one. But for some reason, Delta always comes through for us. I mean, uh, I hear people bitching about Delta, but I mean, they've been a great airline for us. We haven't missed <laughs> a gig because of because of an airline. Now I've missed coming home on time, but I've never missed going out there and get getting to the yeah. gig. So this is a revelation. Uh, yeah, jeez, well, well, artist. Question on yeah, on an artist, gigs. an artist actually endorsing Delta. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they gave me a discount, but I got to tell you, they've been good to us. Well, we'll we'll make it up into a clip and uh, at Delta it on Twitter just yeah. to make sure. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> two two verified accounts will will get you uh, all settled out. But, yeah, um, the Delta Plus <laughs> Rewards Program taking care of your flights next time. <laughs> Yep. Have you been nervous at all with the whole COVID thing being on those airlines and those planes and and the cruise? You didn't do any cruises because I mean, well, we, we, we were on the cruise in February of 20 and um, you know, I believe that I, I caught it. Um, Right. Or something like Mm -hmm. it. I had the dry cough and the high fever and the body aches and, and, and no, 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 no. Bill, you know what that was? That was rock and roll pneumonia. And the boogie boogie flew. <laughs> so my wife, my wife got it too. It was three days of, of feeling awful. And then another two weeks of, of recovery. Mm. And then about a year later, I got, I got something again, uh, same kind of body aches, uh, fever, the, the dry cough that, you know, so I think, you know, we probably got it again. My wife got it. She, she went and got a, um, uh, antibody test and it was positive. So we were, know we were exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we then, you know, started researching everything and started up on our, our vitamins and taking quercetin. So quercetin, zinc, D3 and C and a multivitamin and some other uh, anti-inflammatory kind of things like glutathione and, and uh, turmeric, tur- turmeric, 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 yeah, yeah. Indian food loves the turmeric. Yeah. And so um, since then I haven't felt better. But I wear a mask on the plane, of course, and I wash my hands a lot. And I, I try to be respectful of everybody, you know, everybody's social distance and everything like that. But, um, you know, hopefully this is the end of it with um, where we are now. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping so. But um, yeah, stuff's opening you know, it, back it's up, a man. scary thing for a lot of people. Uh, and, and the older you get, I think the scarier it gets. And if you got a compromised immune system, it's scary. So I don't, um, you know, I, I feel so bad for for those people and um i want to do whatever i can to to, to keep them safe so that's, that's my yeah. philosophy on it. through all of that at any point did you just say you know it's not worth going out to play i'm just going to go work at the at the fucking midas garage and install some mufflers and i'm, I'm out gonna go to the go to the local home depot I, I didn't be and i think it's only because i caught it twice and i was able yeah. to beat it and had I not, I probably would have been scared to death because if you if you you watch turn on the news, there was that ticker up there saying how many cases, and it just scared me quite a bit. But then you know, I got it, I got over it. I, I wouldn't want to get it again. You yeah. know, that's for I sure. just got over it. Literally, like I I technically am still positive right now, but I powered through three days and felt like there was razor blades in my chest when I take a deep breath. But- well, I will tell you, we we um. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, our, our sound man um, was sick and he tested positive. And we said, man, you, you got to stay home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really sorry that, that you're sick. But and, and and he's like, well, I feel fine now. We're like, well, you got to stay home. And I got some other bad news for you. We all talked about we hate it, but you got to stay home next week also because it may stick with you. And um, he's yeah. like, well, I feel great. And, and, and because but but I understand. And this is the right call. And although, yeah. you know, financially, 
it, it, it wasn't good news for him. He, you know, he knows, he knew, but he'll be back with us this week, but it was three weeks ago and that's the way it was. And, and he agreed and, and he, you know, he's been with us for 19 years and he's never huh. missed a show. Um, he's huh. come out with kidney stones and mixed up. Wow. That's how, that's how he, uh, his dedication is. And he's a brother. He's, he's like our, huh. another band member for us. And, um, Tony Avatar, you rock, bro. Right. And he's, he's much better now, but he, you know, he was positive. I think this Omicron yeah. virus, everybody, the Omicron variant, everybody's probably going to catch. And because um, it's so contagious, hopefully yeah. it's not as deadly or as dangerous as the other. So, and by the way, that's that's two 19 year anniversaries this year for the band. So that's that's big news. Yeah. And it's such a shame because the band sounded so good live the last two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that, that vocal is just really popping through the mix. I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> there you go. Tough room, Tony. <laughs> Very tough. Oh, we're just messing with you, Tony. We love you. Get some more gate on that snare. Come on. <laughs> turn well, the guitars, Tony. I'm going to give you the extra 20 bucks. Yeah, turn them up, you know. Anyways, Firehouse uh, featured on the pay, uh, the Peacemaker soundtrack. You can catch it right now, the uh, Peacemaker official playlist on Spotify. Uh, hand curated by the writer and director James Gunn, by the way. He's personally oh. selecting every single song on the soundtrack. So uh, you we can thank James Gunn for that. We yeah. love you, James. There you go. Yeah. Spotify numbers will be going up. Yep. Right. Bill, do you think at some point Firehouse will re-release the back catalog on remastered vinyl? It's up to Sony. Sony owns those rights to do it. I've mm. asked the powers that be and, um, you know, they're they're considering it. So I hope so. Now, I'm getting a lot of requests nowadays for it and it would be great. And with that uh, scene um, in Peacemaker, they, he pulls out vinyl. So come yeah. on, Sony, let's do it. Yeah, maybe. We'll, well, if they put the Peacemaker soundtrack out on vinyl, I mean, we'll be able to get, you know, don't one treat song. me bad no, on, no, on one song. But peace, th th that soundtrack is going to change a lot of lives in these bands, for these bands. And so suddenly it'll be like, oh, yeah, we need to exploit these uh, recordings. Let's get this whole thing. Yeah, so, yeah, who knows? And CJ's got to update so. his uh, stage banter. You heard this one in the Peacemaker show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we were lucky in um, with a song called Don't Walk Away that we had on our first record. Um, mm. That song was in The Wrestler. Oh, nice. That was featured featured very well in The Wrestler. So if you get to go see The Wrestler, um, yep. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's it's featured in a very nice part of that movie. Nice. So, and of course, I, I'm yeah. guessing that these uh, little you know placements do pay nicely too. So It can't uh -huh. hurt. It yeah. can't hurt. There can't you go. Hurt. Thank you, Bill. All right, Bill. Plaisir. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's really, really had a great time. Yep. Thanks, man. I see you guys. An all-new episode of the Mitchell Fine and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream.